Oh, hello. Hello there. Who are you? I'm Veronica. Hello, Veronica. Welcome to the science shed. Oh, thank you. Can I come in here? Is yeah. this a shed? It's, yeah, please come in and sit down. The science You're shed is... a fantastic example of the male specimen, aren't you? Well, that's very kind of you to say, Veronica. Oh, my goodness. Well, come in and sit down. Let me tell you a little bit about the science shed. Oh, I, I can't wait. So the science shed is what a... Are you going to tell me today? <laughs> Well, the Science Head is a is a uh, science podcast that comes out every two weeks with two university academics. My name's Stephen Lee. I'm a uh, chemist from the University of Cambridge, and my colleague here that you'll probably like even more than me that is a that is a fine specimen of a man, uh, Nick Evans. He's a uh, bioengineer. Oh well, I I hope you boys don't go too far, because I can lose control. Well, at moments of extreme excitement, especially of the scientific variety. Well, we'll try not to excite you too much, Veronica. Mm, I, that might be a challenge. I get excited rather easily. Science Shed! We're in the Science Shed! Science Shed! We're in the Science Shed! Come on, Steve. Bunsen. Burner. Dolly. Machine. Internal. Combustion. Why do we need... Petri. Dishes. Oscar. Space. Isaac. Newton. Transplanting. Nick. Steve. You know what? I've got some bad news for you. Are you shaving your beard off? No, that would be amazing news for you. You'd love that. I so, love your beard. Thanks. Um, you know, so we uh, we entered we entered ourselves into the uh, British Podcasting Awards. We did! We? They've just announced just announced the uh, nominations. Oh, uh, we're not the, nominated. We're not nominated. Well, there's quite a lot of very um, popular podcasts. Very much, very much so. But do you want to do, do you know who our competition are? Because I yeah, know who were um, right. So, so we entered in the smartest category, yeah, which yeah, is essentially yeah. kind of factual. Um, <coughs> so we're up against everyone. So, so, so uh, there's a podcast called Chips with Everything, which mm-hmm. is on iTunes, which is in the Guardian. The Guardian puts that out. Okay. Which is to do with, which is to do with kind of media, uh, social media, and right. kind of anthropology, basically. Right. So that's so it wasn't really a direct competitor so for chips us. Chips with everything. Chips with their chips with everything. Uh, there's another one called Coffee Break Italian, which uh-huh. obviously, you know, we can't really compete with that. You know, that's not really Italian. I mean, we don't really do languages. Coffee Break Italian? Yeah. There's another one called the National Trust Gardens Podcast. Oh Again, they've got like big... Like, well, people know. like that, man. I mean, Gardener's Question Time on a Sunday, I actually don't mind that so much either. So that's pretty right. massive. Okay, fight. so you don't mind losing to that. Yeah. Um, Sound Matters, which is a, which is a, like an audio podcast about like audio nerds talking about like hi-fi and stuff. Sounds quite interesting. Yeah. And then there's one science one. Which is that? It's not us. Who is it? It's one called Science-ish. Oh. By a gentleman, by, um, uh, what's the guy's name? Wolfga- uh, Radio Wolfgang, apparently, by Dr. Michael Brooks. So they beat us for the, um, well, to the I nomination. Have to, I have to immediately go out and listen to that. I think, well, no, we should encourage people not to do that. They should be <laughs> listening to the Science Shed. <laughs> they should be. And then maybe we'll win next time. But maybe his podcast the is really good. I don't know who those so, people okay. are. I don't know. Someone's just waving. No, it's Tracy. <laughs> I know who she is. That's, uh, All right. Yeah, so Casey, I'm afraid... Tracy supervise her. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Should we get Tracy in? Say hello. <laughs> that was Tracy. Your PhD student's here. What's she doing here? Um, she works here. Oh, so I she's co-supervise joint. Her, oh, you yeah. co-supervise so Eileen, yeah. I keep co-supervised one with Eileen who works here and Eileen Cope supervises one of my students in Southampton wow that's cool we've got a little bit of an exchange thing going on right okay why why don't we have a co-student well you've never helped neither neither of you we're about to submit a paper though why don't we submit a grant Steve let's do that how could we well I've got an idea 
We've just I don't want to share it on the podcast. Do you know what? Like, we idea. were talking about submitting the, the six-year paper, the seven-year paper. Oh, now. my God. It's almost ready to go, in Steve. In podcast two, we spoke about that. <laughs> we're now on podcast 20x something, 20-something now. Yeah, but as a percentage of the total time, it's probably like 5% of the <sighs> total we're so, time. We're so close with the seven-year turd, it just needs aren't we? To be, <laughs> it just needs to be submitted. Yeah. I'll do it on Sunday. So, so I tried to so, get Agnieszka to do it, but she's given me a load of excuses. Right, yeah. Well, I tried to palm it off Good on excuses. you, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, let's do that. Yeah, but Submit I know that I'm going to have to go on the website, start <laughs> a new profile. Button, I'm going to have to fill uh, in like 10 authors, yeah. find out where they are, fill out their bloody affiliations. Yeah, no, they're all on, it's all on the paper. You can just add it on the paper. Oh, you make it sound so straightforward. Yeah, well, yeah, well I didn't do it either. Filling out the boxes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we'll submit. Can we get Anna to do the, it? Uh, we could get Anna to do it. Yeah, um, like Anna, if if you're listening to this in the future, if you submitted our paper, thank you very much. Thank you, Anna. <laughs> if you haven't, then why didn't you submit the paper? Anyway, um, yeah. So we should maybe we should after we submit our paper and we've proven to the scientific community what a dynamic team mm. Dr. Evans and Dr. Lee are, mm. we should we should write a, a grant to do more. Absolutely, yeah, definitely. All right, I'm well up for I've that. I've got a really good idea. And then idea maybe one of our students, students I've got a in. good idea which is relevant to um, both of our things. Okay, well, let's talk about I that. saw a recent paper, actually, in Biophys J, which really? sort of sparked my imagination. Excellent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not sharing it, though, because the listeners may stay, steal our ideas and do it in the garage and publish first. Yeah, well, if it takes us seven years to publish one paper, they probably <laughs> will. <laughs> oh, just fat on them. <laughs> Can't take him anywhere. Sorry, I've spat on the pop mic. Come on. All right, Steve. Um, fluorescence. Again. You know, I well, I can love to, fluorescence. Well, we're back at Guy's, right? Yeah, and we I are. want to tell you a little life story about me. About fluorescence. My life story, my professional life story. My, so life story. Could we get in a jingle for this? <laughs> Nick's life story. We could try. <laughs> Next life story. Anyway, life story. so yeah, so um, you work on fluorescence, Steve, and you I did do. a late um, thing at the Science Museum recently, which was sort of a public engagement thing. So yep. you're telling people about the basics of fluorescence. I did, yeah. And it took me back, and now we're at guys. It's mm. taken me back even further because my PhD was on fluorescence spectroscopy, as you good, probably good. know. I do. We've spoken about this before. Exactly. So um, yeah, it was a long time ago, and yeah. I've moved on to past is new. But I wanted to sort of bring it back up again and ask your um, advice on the idea of glucose sensing. Glucose sensors, okay. Well, that's yeah, what you so did your that did your PhD, PhD in, was right? on glucose sensing yeah. in diabetes. So what what does that mean? Why well, is so, that important? So people know about uh, people with diabetes. Yeah, they struggle to control their blood sugar because they don't have insulin. So type one diabetic people don't make insulin. Um, type 2 diabetic people do, but the body doesn't respond properly to it. So the yeah. blood sugar goes out of control. So um, people with diabetes have to control... And why is that bad? Why does it matter if there's too much so sugar? So sugar's toxic. What does that mean? Sugar is poisonous. But why is, it, why is, why is sugar... That doesn't make sense, Nick. Sugar is poisonous, but right? So, so our body... But, but not in a kind of hippie, sugar, uh, sugar is poison, man. Sugar is bad. Uh, yeah, you should be okay, eating vegan okay. quinoa. Uh, sugar is poisonous at high concentrations in the bloodstream, so our body keeps it between a window of concentrations. Right. Okay. So it's. I mean, that's true with with, with everything. There's some toxicity associated with a lot of things. So if if uh, if you eat enough of it, 
yeah. um, it can become toxic. So, so it kind of makes sense that sugar might be if you, yeah, get, if yeah. you, if you eat too much. But it's, it's generally kept at sort of 5 milligrams to 25 milligrams per litre, I think. Something, right. in that, something in that range. So um, so when you have a Coke and you have a big spike or yeah, whatever Yeah, but it, sugar, it never normally goes above about... Um, well, okay, let's talk in millimoles. So that's with scientists. Thank so you. I'm not going to explain what a mole is, but they're just numbers. Yeah. But our body usually is between about 3 and 10. Okay. Right? Three, 3 to 4 is normal. 10 is really, really high. Yeah. Okay. People with diabetes, it goes up to 25, 30, 40. Wow. Okay. Okay. That's called hyperglycemia. Yeah. That's toxic because the sugar is reactive and it, it, it reacts with things in your blood, blood vessel walls and other right. cells and it damages them. It causes um, ox, called oxidative damage. Okay. So your tissues die, and usually what the first thing to, to get damaged is your small blood vessels. Mm-hmm. So people who have hyperglycemia all the time, they develop kidney problems. Because there's lots tiny, of blood vessels. Tiny little blood vessels in your kidney, susceptible yeah. to the toxic effects first. The backs of your eyes and your retina. Right. That diabetic people, if they have... They can lose they their can sight, lose their they, sight. Yeah. And then they get my, general microvascular disease, especially in the peripheries of their toes and feet and things. Yeah, it's very common for so you people... you get ulcers. Right, and, and it, it leads to amputation. So the most common yeah. cause of amputations is um, uh, vascular disease due to diabetes. Absolutely, I, I read a really interesting stat about that. So they were talking about because um, it was basically on the dangers of sugar, and saying so. So the entire um, number of amputees that came back from the war in Iraq, total, mm. it's about three hundred, mm-hmm. right? Like three to five hundred, depends on how you classify it, right? Yeah. Last year on the NHS, five thousand amputations caused by diabetes. Yeah. It's nuts, isn't it? It's, right? it's like, a like it's huge, huge number, yeah. and it's type type two. You have you have to distinguish type one. Numbers are fairly constant. Yeah. Type two is increasing because it's uh, obesity causes it generally. Right. So um, type two is a, d- a different disease, but they both result in too much sugar in your blood, basically. Yeah. So the same downstream kinds of effects, like you having your legs having to have your it's legs. Different cause, but the same. same anyway, effects. so if you control your blood sugar properly, yeah. then you don't have these effects. But diabetic people have to take blood. Yeah. To do that, generally speaking, they prick their fingers. You may, you mean, if you, you know, mean, a you mean when they take blood, you mean you have to kind of check how much sugar's in yeah, your blood by by, by putting four blood times on a, a day or more, and it yeah. tells you how much it is, and that tells you how much insulin to take. Right. If you're if you're dependent on insulin, sure. So you have to control your blood sugar within a given range. All right. And if you control your blood sugar well, it's established that you won't develop the complications. It's only in people who don't that you get right. these nasty things happening. How, how does, can you regenerate those that, those vasculature problems? So say, for instance, you recognise you've got the disease and you start taking insulin or regulating your insulin. Does it Do you, do you get better or is it or is the damage done? Oh, no, you can live quite healthily with diabetes. But, but say you had diabetes and, and you lost your sight. If you, if you started changing your medication or taking more or less insulin, would, it, would your sight come back? No. So, it's, so once, no, it's, once it's done, it's, irre- done. it's irreversible. Yeah, okay. I mean the kidney disease will lead to need for transplantation. Right. Okay. You go into your kidneys fail. Okay. But it's permanent damage. Okay. So you can't undo it. No. Okay, no. But you've got to. You've got to prevent scary. it. Yeah. yeah. You've got to prevent it. So that's why the problem with the living with a lifestyle is that you know diabetes. You've got to control your blood sugar every day. Yeah. So you've got to check your blood sugar. It's a massive. It's a problem for people. Yeah. It affects what people do, how they live their lives. They're not free. Mm-hmm. All right. So to do what they want to do. Exactly. Want to have? Want to have a good time? Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, so if they could control, so and and generally, what happens is because it's such a drag to measure your blood sugar, because you can only do it at specific points. Mm-hmm. 
then you have poor blood glucose control. And that's, yeah. that's what causes the problems. So there's been a huge drive for many years to track blood glucose continuously. But without, without having to prick your finger and put blood on a machine. Yeah. Yeah. And there are now devices. So that's I cool. worked in this a long time ago, like I said. Yeah. And we, ha- we did um, a thing when kids came into the one of the labs last summer and one of them had a, a meter on his arm they're cool so they're called aren't they? a freestyle meter so they made i can't remember the company probably shouldn't advertise the company but anyway but they they stick to your arm and there's they 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 sample interstitial fluid so they don't sample the blood yeah. you have fluid that surrounds cells in yeah. your skin and they so, take so this is like a bit of a like a bionic so there's a constant machine that's 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 attached to the un, like in your body in some level yeah and it's wireless so you can take the information from the so what, how big is it it's about a coin size so so it's it just looks like there's someone smaller than the two but they got like a thing stuck on their arm it's what yeah it looks back of like. the arm so stick on the back of the arm underneath the t-shirt or whatever yeah but it measures glue it's continuously sampling so mm-hmm. it tells you what your the, 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 there's a disadvantage with it it only shows um your blood sugar, it's, there's a lag, 10 to 20 minute lag behind what's in your blood. Okay. So diabetic people, they suffer from hy- hypoglycemia, which is too little blood sugar. They take yeah. too much insulin and then they flip out. They go into like, start w- behaving weirdly. Right. One can go into a coma. A bit like you are today. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so it's really important to be able to have a warning of when that happens. So okay. these uh, don't work so well for that. Because they're lagging. Because there's a lag, okay. And that can happen quite quickly. So there's constant need to improve them. So fluorescence, right? Right. No device has been worked out based on fluorescence, but people are trying to use it. So again, going back to your idea about fluorescence saving right, your life, tonic, yeah. this is another idea. That's do you know idea. what they try and do to measure your blood glucose? With fluorescence? Yeah. Oh, let me think about it. So, I mean, so so people have, for a long time, have, I suppose this isn't fluorescence, but it's absorption of light, as they've looked at oxy and deoxygenated haemoglobin. Yeah, so those are the things that you might have seen on people's fingers in hospitals. Yeah. So they yeah. stick on the end of your finger and they tell you what your oxygen saturation of your blood is. And what they're doing, really, is just a little lamp that's yeah. going through your skin. It measures the absorbance of near-infrared light. And it's a ratio metric, I think, so it's two two, two different yeah. wavelengths. Absolutely. Because oxy- oxygenated blood and deoxygenated yeah. blood ab- interact with light differently. It's very convenient, so and but it that's, works. That's a different phenomenon they tried that they tried that for blood sugar for uh, many years mm. and there was a bit of a hoo-ha controversy about right. it someone said it worked and it didn't basically yeah people were sort of um showing that there were really good correlations when in fact there weren't it right. was just they developed a model which happened to be very good in it so they sort of didn't do it post hoc right 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 just did it and show it, it related to it but then didn't actually test it amazing <laughs> it works yeah someone else will deal with the details yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't that doesn't work yeah. Book, books pretty much closed on that so okay. fluorescence is what my I, I was working on with so the, the trouble with fluorescence for for i suppose is that you have to add the fluorescent molecule yeah so so a very common one that people use is fluorescence if you've ever got a scratch on your eye and they put that kind of orange dye in your eye and it makes you look look out of orange for one eye uh, for a few hours that's fluorescein and that's relatively non-toxic yeah so i would so there's you're kind of limited with what dyes you can use um so i guess you've got to take the blood out mm-hmm. and you've got to add something that binds mm-hmm. to the to the sugar mm-hmm. and then you've got to measure how, how bright it is i suppose is <coughs> that how it works well, let me tell you about one device so there yeah. are lots of different th- these have been knocking around for a while and very few of them have reached clinical practice there's one that is being trialed for right. um they're generally based on competitive inhibition yeah so what happens is your glucose is floating around you have a lump of 
like a material, a yeah. tube, let's say, yeah. in one of your vessels, your arteries, your or your veins. The blood flows through that with the sugar in it. Yeah. Inside that tube, there is a molecule which will bind to glucose. Okay. All do you right. know what it is? Yeah, there's several. So okay. boronic acid is used. Okay. Um, and also there are various proteins. Okay. So this glucose binding protein, protein from yeah. the bacteria. Yeah, yeah. And some people have tried to use a molecule called hexokinase, which is an enzyme which binds to glucose. Cool. There are several of them, and there are also so le- the lectins, plant lectins. Do you remember we used concanavalin A? Yeah, we did, yeah. So there are were, there were plant proteins which will bind sugars. But what happens is, with tho- those things, is you can have a competitive thing. So the, the molecule... Um, so this is where you you all know more than me, but basically right. you've got a, a molecule which which binds to sugar, yeah, and that's got a, f- a fluorescent dye on it, yeah, and then bound to it normally is a sort of a sugar analog, something that's a bit like a sugar, but yeah. isn't glucose. Let's say dex dextran, yeah, all right. And so you've got a dye on each one. What happens is when the sugar comes along, mm-hmm. it it tells the dextran to get out of the way, so yeah. it sort of displaces it. So yeah. the dextran floats off. Yeah. And what happens is you get a change in the fluorescent signal because one of those dyes has got further away. So you from add the other both one. of those sugars, is what you're saying. You've, you've got it in a self-contained tube. So, so, so the glucose is competitively binding to that right, yeah. thing. So I mean, basically, what what's happening there is your your we don't we don't know where the sugar is, right? So the sugar in your body is not is not we can't see in the same way. It doesn't glow. No. So we're adding something that mm. sticks to it. Yeah. And then we look at look at where stuff's glowing, and because we know that the the glowing stuff is stuck to the sugar, yeah. we then make an inference that the sugar that of the level of the sugar based upon how much yeah. it glows. So and this is based on a, a phenomenon called um, quenching mm. or res- energy transfer. So basically, yeah. you shine light on the thing which is stuck on the uh, the sugar bi- binding protein, yeah, um, and it fluoresces. It sends out light. So uh-huh. You shine light one color on it, it yeah. glows a different color. When the, when the sugar comes along, okay, mm-hmm. what happens is it causes that fluorescence to increase yeah. because you've actually got another thing there, got it. Yeah, another yeah. dye there, so, which so sort of absorbs it normally. Okay. So you're kind of unmasking. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, yeah. sugar comes in and it unmasks the fluorescence of this one molecule, and you can measure quite precisely the blood glucose concentration. So they're being used, something similar to that, in a uh, sensor in the artery for continuously measuring blood sugar in people who are having in in um, intensive care. So so presumably so you basically have to top it up. It's got like you have to it's like a printer cartridge. You have to you have to add the, the ink. You got to add these two you have different to take dye. it away. I mean these are all self-contained. So right. there's no using up. They don't use things up. Cuz I suppose what you'd want in that thing is you want you want something that's actively controlling your blood sugar, right? So it's measuring it and then when it when it goes up you just inject insulin and when it goes down you just you know it tells you so eat some sugar or something. That's been like. called the holy grail. Diabetes, yeah. because there are things which there is insulin. Even pump. if you have to check your your blood sugar by pricking yeah. your finger, you're only doing it four times a well, day. There are insulin pumps. So here, so your pancreas works like that. Yeah. Your pancreas, the cells in your pancreas, which sense sense sugar, yeah, and they secrete enough insulin to bring it back down to level. So it's it's kind of like um, homeostatic. We call it homeostasis. Yeah, yeah. It keeps your blood sugar constant. Yeah. Right. So if you lose those cells in your pancreas, like in type one diabetes, your blood sugar just goes out of control. Yeah, it's like it's like so a thermostat here, in your house, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It switches off. It switches off when it gets cold, and yeah. it switches switches. Sorry, switches on when it gets cold, and switches off when it gets hot. Exactly. Um, and in in this case, um, what what um, people uh, think that they can do is because there are insulin pumps. Yeah. You can get these devices that some people use, which continuously secrete insulin, infuse it into your body. Right. And when you have a meal, you push a button, and it gives it a boost. That's cool. So 
So rather than injecting with an superhuman in, Nick or yeah. cyborgs. So instead so of that, these, what these you'd exist. have is you'd have that thing on your arm, which yeah. tells you what your blood sugar is, and it would control how much insulin pumps. So basically, you have we, can do half, we can do half of the artificial pancreas. So we can we can we can we can waz in some insulin when you need it, but we yeah. don't know when when and how much yet. Yeah, but we get. I think we get in there. That's exciting. But fluorescence may be one of the ways you can do it more accurately than, than the other. So I mean, I just so. So you'd have a like. So ultimately, you can imagine a diabetic person would have a tattoo. So they go to a shop. Yeah. They'd have a tattoo made. Yeah. Right. And your blood sugar changes. Yeah. All right. That the sugar goes into your cells or near the dye in the yeah. tattoo. It causes the amount it glows to change. Yeah. Then you have a little device shining light on it, which tells you exactly how much sugar oh, you've got in cool. your body. Yeah. yeah. That's what I think you should do, Steve. All right. I'll get on with it. Shall I? Wicked. <laughs> I've got something for you. What have you got? You know, we spoke. I think it was podcast two or yeah. podcast three. What we spoke about Thunderstruck. It was number three. It was number three. It was a really badly recorded Royal Society one in a big echoey room. That's your fault, wasn't it? You were in charge of the, the uh, recording equipment. What? Then. then I had to step in. And th- now we have the kind of high quality what audio. What did we use to record then, then? We used your crappy microphone. Did we? Yeah. Oh, plugged into my computer. Yeah, exactly. Oh, come on. I mean, it was early days. <laughs> Amateurs. And we were in a cr- uh, really bad room. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Mm, I forgot um, about that. Much better now. Anyway, Thunderstruck, right? We were... We, we, if you maybe you just regale us with what that paper was about. Oh well, Thunderstruck was about um, basically making nanoparticles, mixing them up by using sound. Right. So got a woofer speaker and played um, some music to mix them up by sort of shaking them with the sound. But Thunderstruck by ACDC was the tune which was judged to be the, the best. The acoustic drive <laughs> signal, I think they decided. It's very um, silly. Um, so I was I was having lunch yesterday with a, with a friend of mine who actually we might get on the podcast, um, and he was telling me there's there's a um, there's a bourbon, right, an American bourbon called Hudson, right, um, and if you get a bottle of Hudson like uh, uh, bourbon, yeah, and you look at it, it says on the bottom it says sonically matured, right, right, and I was like, what does that mean? What does that mean, Hamish? Right, right? and he's yeah. a gimmick basically. Do you know what they do? They play Thunderstruck to it. They play hip hop to it. Oh, it's ridiculous! <laughs> you imagine these hot, stupid sort of hipsters in Brooklyn or something. Yeah, they've shitty whiskey that they've designed, they've developed. Yeah, it's a bit ridiculous, really. They, uh, yeah, so they um, they actually play different um, hip hop tunes, uh, and the idea being that they have some kind of it's exactly the same way that it was farcical that we played Thunderstruck to make nanoparticles. <laughs> Um, but they kind of they they shake it and in doing so they uh, they suggest that um, imparts a flavour to the so, to the whiskey. Do you remember what it was called? It's called Hudson. It's called Hudson whiskey. Hudson whiskey. Okay, well I I won't be going out and buying a bottle of that. <laughs> <laughs> I've I, I've, I've uh, made you sure that you you will avoid it. <laughs> but yeah, so, so I heard that and I did. I had exactly the same reaction as you. I said, oh, "Isn't that ridiculous?" Ha ha. And then I just thought we we've had the conversation about this on the podcast <laughs> about how proper peer reviewed science. Yeah, but we were using it as an example of some stupid, it's ridiculous idea. <laughs> I, right. But it still got published. It was didn't just it? a bit of fun. I mean, it's one thing getting thunderstruck into a scientific <laughs> paper. It's another thing for a bunch of hipsters making some cool whiskey to like bloody. Um, yeah. So uh, <laughs> sonically matured whiskey. Yeah. Oh, very good. <clears throat> Listeners, um, what 
Nick's so well prepared for these podcasts that what he's doing currently is scrabbling on his laptop, desperately searching the internet to try and find something to talk to me about. <laughs> You've done this before. <laughs> you remember when you just randomly went on the internet and found some story that you didn't even understand about how round the sun was? Yeah. It wasn't the sun, was it, either? It was a planet, I think. Uh, Steve. Nick. So you're into fluorescence, right? I freaking love fluorescence. And I did my PhD on fluorescence in a kind of um, tangential way to what I do now. So certain animals are fluorescent. All right. And you know this because you work with them. So can you name what animals or... Well, jellyfish, famously. Yeah. So um, tell coral. us about the so, jellyfish. So, so the jellyfish uh, has a, a, a protein uh, encoded in it which fluoresces green. Um, which won the Nobel Prize in 2008 for Roger Chen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you kind of shine blue light on a jellyfish, they kind of glow green. Yeah, so people would have seen these in those kind of David Attenborough things, weird things of the deep, and you get these misshapen things sort of glowing in the well, dark. Well, that's a bit different. That's normally bioluminescence, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, I, 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 you, you know you what lump, I'm trying to... You're lumping them all I'm together. I'm lumping them all together. That's, that's incorrect. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry. So bioluminescence is something different because that's a chemical reaction Indeed. which leads to the emission of light. So for Fluorescence is different in that you shine light of one colour on something, it glows a different colour. Yeah. Anyway. Scorpions. They... Scorpions are fluorescent. Well, do you know any others? Any other animals? Uh, corals. Yeah, corals. I suppose anything with keratin probably would be. So I don't know. Is a turtle fluorescent? Many know. ocean creatures fluoresce. So there's things like corals, some fish. Yeah. Sharks fluoresce. No way. Yeah. What colour do sharks fluoresce? I don't actually know. Right. Um, but there's also a, a sea turtle that fluoresces as well. So I was yeah. right. I said a tortoise. Man, I'm good. Yeah, you're very good. Man, yeah. I'm good. Do you know any other animals with it with it flesh on land? You said scorpions. There's scorpions, land us. animal. Um, it'd probably be. I would guess it would be some kind of insect. Am I right? No. no, it's a mammal. It's not a mammal. No. Oh, so it's a reptile or a bird. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Did you, it's this like, is exciting. It's like Sherlock, isn't it? This I is exciting. Um, no, so, I don't. I don't. So there's a species of parrot which fluoresces. Oh, cool. So. Um, it's not what I really wanted to talk to you about. I wasn't going to talk to you about the, the parrot fluoresces and people think that um, it uses it in its courtship rituals, basically. But there's only scorpions and parrots which which fluoresce. There's lots of things in the sea that fluoresce, right? As well as bio bioluminescence. Yeah. Well, there's obviously there's things that that, that have uh, bioluminescence in the in, on land too. So they've just, found, they've just found a new animal which glows and which fluoresces. Oh, Do you cool. know what it is? called a polka dot um, tree frog. A, tr- a frog? A type of tree frog. Um, mm. I would read the Latin name, but I might um, screw it up. Let's try yeah. it anyway. <laughs> Hypsoboas punctatus. Right. Okay. And it fluoresces because it's got a new three molecules that have been found in it, unknown before. Yeah. Called um, hyaloin L1 and to, um, to uh, L2. These are proteins. Hyaloin. They're proteins, yeah. Um, I think... Oh, maybe they're not proteins. No, they're not proteins. So they're they're actually molecules. So they they're um, organic molecules that have a ring structure. Right. So they may not be as useful as that in biology. But I just thought it was interesting that you know there's only two animals on land which fluoresce. There's thousands in the sea, and they've yeah. just found a new one. Wow. So the glow in the dark frog. That's pretty cool. I know. Um, but it kind of really depends on how you define uh, fluorescence. And most people famously. Uh, uh, um, You're going to talk about Stokesy again. Stokesy. Well, no, Stokesy didn't know this at the time, but basically it depends upon the time scale that you look. Um, most things fluoresce. It's just, it just, it's just that some things don't very fluoresce very well. Oh, right, okay. Um, but, you know, um, I think, well, 
Why, why is it on land? And why is it, why is it imparted evolutionary so much more useful know. to fluoresce in the sea than it would do on land? I don't know. It's a good question. I, I remember asking, so um, fish have these things called iridophores. Right. So they've got cells which make fluorescent So they're shiny. So they shine, yeah. yeah. Or they're very, um, you know, brightly coloured. I guess, they, I guess the deeper fluoresce. you go in the sea, the more red light is, is filtered out, right? And the more, and the, so so that would that would suggest that the further the UV and these kind of shorter wavelength lights would penetrate deeper. Yeah. So one would expect um, that light to get deeper down in the ocean. So if you're trying to communicate with others, you probably want to make use of that uh, yeah, yeah. UV light in some work. Some capacity. possibly, yeah. And so the, so these iridophores that fish have, they're not they're not based on fluorescence, but right. they're generally based on sort of very brightly coloured pigments. I suppose that like mammals don't have them. I've asked this question to someone who gave a talk on this previously. Yeah. And his idea was that mammals sort of, you know, they they evolve from sort of hiding in the undergrowth and things like that. So it would have been a real disadvantage. They're like a gas. That's the pro- that's the model. What? You know, we're just having a discussion about a gas few things being spaced apart. Right. The ocean's really big. Right, and so fish and all that kind of stuff—they're spaced apart like gases, <laughs> and so they find it hard to see each other. So Do you, you have think to. Have, that's true. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just riffing there. Nick. I've got no <laughs> I idea. I don't get. I didn't, anyway, I didn't buy his argument about the animals. You know, the mammals having to hide in the because those are birds, which are hugely brightly coloured. A lot of birds of paradise and things. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. They're not birds. trying to hide. Yeah. No, and um, mammals. You don't have iridophores and you don't have these pigment-type cells that you do in birds and fish. Right. So I don't know. It's an open question. Be interesting if anyone's got an opinion on it. Yeah. Hmm. Mm, there you go. <laughs> Good. end of another one yeah that was fun wasn't it it was good oh nick do you know what i've just bought um i think i know what you've just bought but tell me do you really what are you Is gonna it guess a, a telecaster guitar no that's not what i was gonna talk but about. you have bought a telecaster. i have just bought a telecaster what else have you that. bought steve so i bought google home which is this like um like a bit like Alexa, where you can talk to. You Google. love having technology invade your home and your life, don't you? Steve? So this one listens to me while I sleep. Now I know that would annoy you, but anyway, right? This one you can ask to play podcasts, so you can just say play podcasts. So really? I, so I asked it to play the science shed, of course. Yeah. Right? And but obviously the science shed is one word, right? Yeah. So Google does not read it as the science. Oh, shed. we've do want, screwed up. There. Do, do you want to hear how it sounds like? Yeah, go on. I've recorded it. Okay, so here it goes. So this is me, uh, me, uh, me talking to Google Home. Hey Google, play the Science Shed podcast. Here's where you stopped in Thessy and Sesh, episode 22, 22's Cure Cancer. Sesh and Sesh. What? Sesh and Sesh. Listen. Thessy and Sesh. Thessy and Sesh. That's the Science Shed. The Science Shed, but, spelt, but spoken phonetically. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh, so well, we should have chosen in, a different name and not stuck it all together. Join in, the, the um, listeners should listen to the session sesh next week. Absolutely. Um, you should contact us with um, social media. I'm Steve the Chemist at Twitter. I'm at the Evans Lab. And hopefully there'll be many more session sessions. Great. So from the session session. <laughs> Goodbye! Bye!